0: J.C. Santana, Davis
1: Brand Magic in Oklahoma. And welcome back to the Golden Hurricast, a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm Matt Rectine. And this is it, people. Game week. We
0: finally made it to week one of the 2021 football season. And we got a lot of preview coming up on a, well, honestly, not even sure, UC Davis, FCS team, not a ton of preview because it's hard to find a lot of information on these teams. So we'll give you uh, the best that we've been able to do. And then dive right into some listener
1: questions. We've asked some. We've got answers. So, Ryan, you want to kick it off? Yeah, and I'm really psyched about the listener questions. Thanks everybody for sending those in. Got some really, some really interesting ones. All of them are, are honestly pretty good. Uh, so, psyched to talk through those. But we'll, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll do that last. Um, the matter at hand here, I think, is definitely the UC Davis preview. Uh, so we will start with that. But as Matt mentioned, not a ton to talk about. But we've got some stuff. We got some stuff. So no worries. Um, so. At time of recording, and as of August 12th, according to uh, the latest SP Plus rankings, or the, I don't know, maybe the first actual SP Plus rankings, um, Tulsa's number 71 in SP Plus, wanted to get that out of the way. Um, So 71, I don't know. That seems pretty low, pretty low to me for a team that finished uh, basically ranked last year. Um, Whatever. So just wanted to, to throw that one out there before we dive into UC Davis. So let's get into some UC Davis. They are the Aggies. They are an FCS team. They are in the Big Sky Conference, but only as a football member. All of their other sports are in the Big West. The Big West discontinued football in 2000. So they are in the Big Sky uh, for football. Um, They're an interesting team. uh, And the interestingness starts with their (laughs) apparently extremely interesting head coach, Dan Hawkins. What a guy. What a guy this man is. So he graduated from UC Davis. He's coaching his alma mater. He graduated in 1984. The first sentence of his bio on UC Davis' own like athletics website, you know, is the, like the first thing they think they to say about him is just quote, he has taken his family on vacation to Machu Picchu in Peru. Sure. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I, I pull up his website and I'm like, all right, why, why is this, why is this the first thing you decide to say about a curious podcaster who just wants to learn some something about UC Davis and the Aggies, right? But that is the first sentence. I, you, you know, they're trying to. If you read on, but he has a massive bio on this website. They're trying to. They're trying to illuminate how much he's learned and his different life experiences or whatever. But like, it's pretty extreme <laughs> to start with that one. Um, they also note that he's coached football in one way or the other in thirteen different countries, which blew my mind. Also, uh, there's a there's a lot of angles to this fella. Um, he was Boise State's head coach back in two thousand one, two thousand one to two thousand five. Uh, lit it up with them. They went 53 and 11 when he was there. Won four straight uh, conference championships in the WAC. Um, under him, they created and the WAC still maintains the 31 game winning streak that that he did while he was Boise State's head coach. Uh, so lit it up at Boise State. So four years, nailed it for, with the Broncos. He moves on from Boise State, goes to Colorado. You know, big time, big school. Uh, did not do well with Colorado. Had a, had a rough first couple of years there. Um, after those first couple of years, you know, preseason press conference, he's, he's g- trying to get everybody hyped up. Prior to the 2009 season, he says, 10 wins, no excuses. What do they do that season? Three and nine, baby. Let's go. So backing up his, uh, his confidence with a nice three and nine year after after saying 10 wins, no excuses. I don't know if he had an excuse. I'm sure he did afterwards. Something happened, whatever. But it uh, didn't work out the way he thought. So after Colorado, um, oh, yeah, and and he got fired, I think, that next season after a midseason after they blew a 28-point fourth-quarter lead against Kansas. So it just gets better and better with this guy. God, I love it. Um, After Colorado, he has been all over the place. He spent five years in broadcasting for ESPN uh, after that. um, Then he got back into coaching. Spent a year for the head coach in Montreal in the CFL, who Dane Evans and the Tiger Cats are playing tonight as we record on Friday. Um, so that game's going on. He coached in Sweden. He coached in Austria. And then he made his way back to UC Davis. <laughs> so he's been at UC Davis for the last four years. Um, in the four years that he's been there, they've gone 5-6, and 10-3, 5-7, and, three, five and seven, and three and two last year, five game season COVID year last season. Right. Uh, so kind of all over the place have a 10 win season in there. Mostly have been average or below average, I guess. Um, but yeah, let's, let's move on to some more present stuff here. Three and two last year, only played five games because of COVID who knows what all was going on. I wasn't watching, uh, UC Davis football last season or any season. So I don't really know what happened. Um, but I did notice some, some stuff, um, they they scored between 13 and 31 points in those four games, uh, somewhere average around like mid 20s. Uh, and then one of their games though, they scored 73 points in their in their home opener. So they they start off with two road games, come home, score 73 against Cal Poly. That that kind of blew my mind. Uh, there's just a lot, you know. I think Matt before we started talking you, you noted that they're a pretty good rushing team. It looks like they averaged about 226 rushing yards a game last season. Um, What did you see from their, from their rushing attack?
0: Uh, So just mostly they're a run first. Their, their quarterback was um, didn't have a ton of experience going into last season. And I mean, take last season with a huge grain of salt uh, because a lot of FCS programs didn't play that much. And so obviously they only played a spring ball season. Um, And so, they're, I think, just having that inexperience in quarterback, they really relied on their running game. Uh, I think the attempts, were if I look it up, they like had and 230 to 142 passes, like not quite double, but you're getting close uh, to that point. They're av- like averaging almost five yards per rush. Um, like that is a strong rushing attack. But I'd be curious how Nick Rodriguez, now that he's like their full-term starter at quarterback.
1: Hunter. Hunter Rodriguez. Hunter,
0: yeah. God, sorry. There was, a, <laughs> there was a guy at TU, Nick Rodriguez, yeah. that was in my head. Uh, Hunter Rodriguez. <laughs> All good. Um, so now that he's their quarterback, like full-time with a full set of practices, are we going to see that same rushing? I mean, part of it is I kind of feel like they won't, and I'm going to double-check here right now and look back at 2019. There we go. Yeah, so twenty—I mean, twenty nineteen—they were definitely a pass for. I mean, it was five hundred pass attempts to three fifty rushing yards. So this is definitely a last year. You know, was a product of you know new quarterback, not as strong, and just um, like trying to get a new system on the fly. It kind of like integrate all the parts. So I'm curious to see if that's really going to be indicative of uh, this year or not. And so it's kind of hard to, to pinpoint, you know, for sure. Is this a run first team at this point or is it pass? like it's that's kind of up in the air right now.
1: Yeah. Matt, you mentioned their, their quarterback Hunter Rodriguez. Um, he is back for a second year. He transferred in. I think you, you saw from another school. Um, so last year was his first season with the, with the program had a weird first year, you know, with COVID and everything. But completed 66% of his passes, uh, eight touchdowns, four interceptions, decent numbers there. Um, he is on the College Football Performance Awards watch list for the National Performer of the Year. So he's got some kind of uh, preseason hype going on. Um, you mentioned right before we started recording, you pulled up his uh, his page on the UC Davis uh, athletics site. And uh, tell me what you found there.
0: Uh, just probably like the most – uh like in your face handlebar evil villain looking mustache uh like it looks like it is waxed to perfection i mean it is truly it is a glorious mustache but <laughs> oh my god it just really s- sticks out
1: oh my god I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it up again hunter oh yeah just pulled it up again here oh my gosh it is just it is beautiful it's like a classic like western villain You know, it's just that's just what it looks like. Uh, Wow, beautiful. We'll have to. Some podcasts do chapters and separate chapter art for those chapters. This would total if we did chapters. This would be the chapter art for right now, Uh, but we don't. So you're gonna have to look it up yourself. Um, But yes, so he is back. Put up some decent numbers. Uh, Their two running backs are back. That averaged 226 rushing yards per game as a team last year. Those two guys are Lan Larrison and Alonzo Gilliam. So they're both back. So rushing attacks should be pretty solid once again. Uh, whether they rush it as much as they did last year remains to be seen. Matt mentioned they passed it way more two years ago back in 2019 with a different quarterback. Um, so we'll see how they go. I don't really know what to expect in terms of uh, pass versus run breakdown here. Yeah,
0: You would wonder, because they have eight running backs on their roster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like six quarterbacks which seems like a lot of both <laughs> yeah. so i was going like oh maybe they have more running backs they're more uh like likely to go that way but no they just have so many of
1: both position yeah i know
0: <laughs> very young too
1: yeah seems like generally a young team they did get um like they have a lot of guys i saw uh phil Steele. you know he does a big college football preview every year and mm-hmm. he also does a big fcs preview so he did he hit, he put out a uh, an all-Big Sky preseason all-conference list uh, for this year. And on that list, Phil Steele's list, um, UC Davis had 13 people on the on nice. that preseason team. Uh, not all first team, obviously, but um, they had three first-teamers and I'll mention the first-teamers just because they're first-teamers. That was offensive lineman Nick Amoa, defensive back Jordan Perryman, and their punter, Daniel Whalen. And then they had seven guys on the second team, so heavily in the second team of the conference, and then three on the third team. So, Seems like they've got a pretty deep squad. You know, if you can make the All-Conference team at all, it means you got you got some good talent there. So the fact that they've got 13 people total across all the teams, um, pretty good. So I I had imagined that they'd be a pretty solid FCS team this year. I don't really know what to expect from them, but like, you know, you got to think we're going to just dominate them in every in every position. I think yeah. it's. I yeah, mean, the,
0: the talent level should just be across the board. Like any D1 school, just has better a better pool of talents and, you know, the resources to uh, take advantage of that. So, especially like the way that our team's constructed this year, not worried about it. I mean, you go back to Luke Skipper's first start against Central Arkansas. That game was close, but I feel like we didn't really have nearly as strong of a team identity. We were still trying to get a lot. We had a lot of moving parts and -hmm. Skipper was starting, but there was no guarantee he was going to be our quarterback for the rest of the year as it kind of like came down in Seth Boomer took over uh after that so it's just this year i'm not nearly as concerned because we have i mean really the only question mark is davis brin and so far so far from what we've seen um that's not too much of a question mark in my mind
1: yeah i agree and you know our (laughs) you know you talk about you talk about difference levels here like our offensive line and our defensive line should just blow them up on both sides of the ball. It shouldn't even be close. And, you know, like, FCS teams beat FBS teams. It happens. happens uh, somewhat often. You know, not super often. But uh, unless you're playing, like, North Dakota State or, you know, a James Madison or, you know, one of the big-time FCS teams, it shouldn't be a concern, really. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really thinking it should be a nice warm-up game for Davis Brynn, uh, you know, first time really taking control as the starter of this offense um, in a live game. Feeling, you know, hopefully hopefully a good, comfortable step in for him. It should let Tyon Davis and the other new corners uh step in, get some reps going, get loose, uh feel good about against some live game action. Um but really, you know, if this is a close game at all, that is concerning. You know, yeah. even if, I think even if we win by like twenty, that it's not necessarily concerning at that point, but like it could be, you know, I'd rather <laughs> if it's, a, it's pat- a team like you know, a, a mediocre FCS team, you gotta be winning by more than that.
0: Yeah, well, and I guess I'll say, like, a caveat to that. Like, if this is, you know, back in the day when Dane was the starter, and once the game's wrapped up and you just put in all your, like, next-level guys, your, you know, second-string quarterback, mm-hmm. like, and if that game, you know, ends up being coming closer and it becomes a 20-point, not as concerning. That's fair. Like, if the starters are scraping away with, like, a two-touchdown win, like, that's definitely concerning. But it kind of depends how it goes at the yeah. end. Um, yeah. and so okay, so I have two questions, not questions, just comments that I wanted to make about uh Dan Hawkins. <laughs> One, what are the other? So we named like four of the countries that he I coached, know. like <laughs> I U.S., Canada, <laughs> Sweden, and, and Austria or Australia, uh, whichever it was. Um, it was, Austria. Yeah, you're right because it was Vienna. Yeah. Um, what other like nine countries? are having football that like and how is that not in his Wikipedia page? I'm just blown away. I know.
1: No, I know. I had the same thought. I was like, how can you I should I should have said it when I when I broke the you know, when I said his his thing about coaching in thirteen countries. How can you put that in the bio and one, not say anything else about it in the entire rest of your bio? And two It's you can't find. I mean, I didn't look super hard. It's it's not on his Wikipedia or on his or on his official athletics page. Like, where were all these other countries he coached? I
0: (laughs) I feel like it's a matter of so he coached for the um, United States National American Football Team, which I didn't know was a thing that existed. Oh, there's an International Federation of American Football, and so I wonder if it's just he took that team and interesting like they played in Japan, they played in Poland, like that's kind of what I'm guessing.
1: Yes, that's That's what it is. That's it got to be it because you, you look at the Wikipedia page and it breaks down like every year of his life since 1983, you know? So there's like, there's no way to, yeah. to it has to be that. So
0: kind of lame. That's not nearly as exciting. Uh, yeah. And the other one was you mentioned how his bio, like, you know, it starts off with he takes his family to Machu Picchu. It looks, it's super long. And it's like, it sounds like a freshman, or it reads like a freshman, like English essay. Kind of how it starts. Like, you know, these things taught him how to be a good football coach. And then it goes on and on. I was like, this is ridiculous. But then I looked at Philip Montgomerys. I was just about to do that. (laughs) I haven't done it yet. So it starts, so the first one, so it says, seventh year, bold. There is no more excitement for Tulsa football than what the 2020 season provided under head coach Philip Montgomery. And so it's like not as ridiculous, (laughs) but it's just the whole thing. It just like waxes poetic about. Nice everything so i think that's just kind of standard i think a lot of college coach by like montgomery's is longer by a lot um and so i think it's just college coaches get have essays on their bios man
1: who i want to be the person who writes these like may, put me in charge of writing the the bio for like the assistant coach you could just do so you just do some wild stuff on there and everybody would love it you know as long as you get the like the main points you know of the, what they've done in their career just go off on like a three paragraph tangent on like what they do with their family and how that how insightful it is uh you know of, of whatever they're doing it sounds like fun i would do it yeah so eh, I just thought that was fun <laughs> yeah for sure uh but yeah okay so back to uc davis here uh don't have a ton else to say i mean it should be a, it should be a win you know if it's a loss a very bad sign for the tulsa football team uh regardless of whatever you know circumstances surround the loss it's not a good there's no good way that that happens so you know in terms of predictions uh said on the show before not a huge fan of like exact score predictions or whatever because who knows what's going to happen but i like if it's i think uh, it should the be the old like days a, i know <laughs> yeah um I would hope for like a 30 plus point win, you know, in this one. And I would feel good about that.
0: Yeah. I'd be like 25 is kind of my, the threshold that I'm looking at. Um, I know that's weird. That's like three scores plus, but I don't know. It just seems like a, a good number for me. It's fair. So my question um, that I have for you about this. So this is a year like this year, two years ago, there's kind of like two ways that Tulsa seems to start their seasons. And I'm curious which one you like more do you like playing a team like a UC Davis or central Arkansas, not necessarily an FCS team, but a lower Mm -hmm. tier opponent first, and then going into your games against OSU or OSU or OU versus the other way is we seem to play like Oklahoma state first and start off with a loss. Like which one do you like? And which one do you think is a better? It's
1: a good Good question. Um, I think it depends on the roster that you've got that year and what your goals are for the team. So if your goals for the team are we're trying to make the college football playoff, then no, I don't like playing UC Davis in the first game. You have to maximize the hell out of your non-conference schedule is the only possible way you're ever going to get in. It's still probably not going to happen even if you do that. Like Cincinnati's playing Notre Dame and Indiana, right, in their non-conference. And I think so, I think the third team that they're playing isn't isn't a joke. It's like Miami of Ohio, I think um so that's that's strong you know Tulane they're not really trying to make the college football playoff per se but they've got an they've got an awesome non-conference I think they've got Ole Miss and Oklahoma and UAB Uh, and we have a really strong one too you know Sands UC Davis so I don't know I mean our team looks really strong this year are we pushing for the college football playoff I don't think that's the expectation around (laughs) around the college football world but you know everything breaks right we've got the schedule to be there with ohio state and oklahoma state but does a ucf date or does a uc davis uh kind of spoil that a little bit if we if we go undefeated or whatever probably not if you beat ohio state that probably checks the box for you um but in general like if you're trying to push for the playoff don't schedule a uc davis but like i know you can't uh college football scheduling happens so far in advance now you can't you can't know but you will know it's an fcs team so uh, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of, of scheduling FCS teams. I'd much rather play a lower level uh, FBS team, at least that, that looks better, even if it's a really bad one. Like a San even Jose if, State. Well, San Jose State is not even bad, <laughs> but oh, are you I, saying you know, they, like two, like two yeah. years ago, yeah. Yeah, like that, right. that level? <laughs> yes.
0: Um, yeah. It was, it was San Jose State, right? That's who we played
1: two years ago. I don't remember. Yeah.
0: The Spartans. They're the Spartans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know we played them recently. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I don't know. In general, I think I would rather not play an FCS team, but like for this seems fine for this season because we have such a strong non conference that's not UC Davis. It's like a a ridiculously strong non conference aside from them. And this is a nice game to break in a new quarterback. It's a nice game to break in some questions at at corner. Um, So I feel good about it this year. But if it was like UC Davis and then Arkansas State and then, you know, I don't know, some other average G5 team or like an average p5 team uh i would be bummed about that i don't think that's enough to get you over the hump if you're if that's what you're trying to do what do you think
0: i um so not necessarily fcs but i kind of like having a winnable first game um or at least like i don't view ohio state as winnable um generally like any given year this year obviously i view oklahoma state as winnable Mm -hmm. um but you know in a given year that's less likely to be true then i think it takes us having like a full system like we've had this team for a while and this is kind of the year we it seems like we've been building to and that's what gives us a chance against osu yeah whereas you know like two years ago different story um so i kind of like having the first game be winnable to kind of get some momentum Mm-hmm uh, but I agree. I don't, I don't love playing FCS teams. Um,
1: it's just not as exciting either. <laughs> no. Yeah, because yeah.
0: it's, I mean, if it is exciting, that's bad. That's that's <laughs> the thing. It's yeah. like you can't really get too excited. You're like, yeah, this is fun, but what are you expecting Yeah, uh, as part of it? So, But any other game, like even one where maybe you're not the heavy favorite, but you're still favored, mm-hmm. like it's just, it is harder to, like you were saying, scheduling in advance. Like you know an FCS team is going to be an FCS team, you know, unless they somehow move up um right but like any team could all of a sudden like oh you schedule arkansas state 2025 who know like maybe they're the top team in the sun belt like yeah. coastal carolina came out of nowhere mm-hmm. last year kind of so that's is the fear but i mean honestly i'd rather i think i'd rather have that personally
1: yeah I, yeah i totally agree um so, whatever. I mean, it's exciting that it's UC Davis just because it's the first game, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's the home opener. Um, but besides that, it's not very exciting to play them. Uh, sorry for any UC Davis fans that are listening that probably aren't. Did you um, see my? Uh, Did you see my name on Zencaster? I saw. Well, it's it's cut off. It says UC Davis dot dot dot.
0: Oh no! Does it not? Okay. Uh, it says UC Davis sucks. So.
1: Ah, freaking got him, man! Nice. Yeah. No, I can't see that. If I click on it, it just says "kick out guest." <laughs>
0: Please don't do that. No, it <laughs> yeah. actually says
1: it "says UC Davis isn't real." That's what I put it at. Ah, very nice, very nice. So. All right, uh, I think that probably covers it for uh, UC Davis preview. You want to move on to the listener questions? Yeah, let's hop right in. All right, um, so I don't know how you want to do this. Do you want to like switch off who reads it and who answers first, basically? Sure. Okay, so you can uh, go first. Okay, I'll, you want me to read this one? Yeah, and
0: we're just going to go top to bottom, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. All right, so first one comes from Chris Rathbone. Uh, He says, I am still stuck on conference realignment. Who isn't, Chris? What are your thoughts? Is there any hope the AAC can stick together?
0: Oh, boy. Um, So I was more confident about this before the last couple days because now you're seeing reports about, You know, the Pac 12 just recently said they're not going to expand, so there's no chance of them poaching anybody from the Big 12. Mm -hmm. I imagine the Big 10 is probably similar. Uh, Like, there's still the potential that they snag an Iowa State or a Kansas, um, but I don't think that's necessarily likely. And then you have UCF putting out information about, you know, they would be, they are looking into the possibility of moving to the Big 12. And that the Big 12 is seriously considering BYU, which is kind of like BYU is in the wild card because they bring a lot of viewers and numbers because, you know, they are the premier Mormon university and like as Notre Dame, like not on the same level as Notre Dame, but like Notre Dame has Catholic fans all over the country. Mormons are fans of BYU generally. Um, But it's like for so long, you've had the issue of they don't, A lot of schools had issues with bringing BYU. So if they're now leaning towards bringing them in, that makes it more likely that they might poach a couple of teams from uh, the AAC too. So definitely a little more concerned now than I was uh, during episode zero.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, Yeah, and just, uh, Chris, if you didn't listen, we had an episode that talked a lot about this uh, as episode zero. As Matt mentioned, as 4-0. I forgot what we called it. Um, oh kind, yeah, kind it was of like an emergency, emergency,
0: kind yeah. of an emergency
1: episode, off-season special. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we talked about it, a bit about it then. Uh, so go listen to that if you haven't. But that, yeah, things have changed significantly uh, just in those you know few weeks it's been since then. So I don't know. I think yeah, you know, I think there is hope. You know, the question is there hope that the AEC can stick together? Yes? Question mark? Maybe. I'm not nearly as optimistic about that as I was uh, just a couple weeks ago when we talked about it on that show. You know, a couple weeks ago, Mike Oresco and the American seemed like they were the aggressors in this situation. You know, you had all the reports coming out saying like ESPN is basically just trying to kneecap the Big 12 and and just destroy them and bring them into the American uh, or some teams into the American. And, you know, that could, I guess, still be the thinking internally, uh, but it's definitely not getting the attention that it was back then. Um you know, lots of things have changed. You've got the Alliance now, which is the the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC thing um, going on that, you know, even if it doesn't mean anything in practicality, it means something uh, just in the headspace that everybody thinking about it. The Big is not in there. Um, and then you've got the Pac-12, like you mentioned, saying that they're not going to expand at this time. So that pretty much kills the idea that Oklahoma State would move there or Texas Tech or whoever else thought they might get a Pac-12 invite, which means that Big 12 expansion – or the big, not expansion, but the Big 12 probably won't lose anybody um, to another conference that's not the American, at least for now. Uh, which means, because of that, they'll probably discuss expansion more seriously now. And I don't know. I mean, they don't need to be in a hurry here because I think that – I don't know. They can't stay at 8 forever, but, like, the current rumor is they're eyeing BYU, like you mentioned. I'd be surprised if they weren't also eyeing UCF and Cincinnati and Boise and all the, all the usual suspects. Um, you mentioned BYU. like They're super attractive. They're not a G5 team, right? So like they get the bonus of being independent, which when you bring in a team, if they're G G5, I don't know, maybe people look down at that conference for bringing in the G5, whatever. The Big 12's done it before. Who cares? Um, but for what that's worth. Um, if I were to guess what happens right now, I'd bet that the Big 12 expands to, with four teams – gets back to a 12 team league makes their namesake make sense like BYU, I would say yeah like byu and ucf are the are the common culprits here cincinnati and boise state would make sense that would suck you know that would undoubtedly hurt the american it would hurt the it would hurt the mountain west um but as much as it would suck losing ucf and cincinnati the american is not quite the same as losing oklahoma and texas to the sec if you're the big 12 right so it's not quite as big of an impact the americans have been really good um, in general but they've also been really good about not being a team that's dominated by one league like the big 12 has been with oklahoma uh i looked this up before we started when since the championship game started in 2015 ucf has won it twice and since he has won it once uh houston's won it memphis has won it. smu's won it or houston houston memphis temple forgetting somebody i don't know anyways the point is not one team dominates this league. So as much as UCF seems like they have been kind of the power in this conference in general in Cincinnati recently um, and for the foreseeable future, as long as Luke Fickle's there, it's still a strong league. It sucks to lose UCF and Cincy if they do end up leaving or Houston or whoever it is. Um, but I think it's not uh, unrecoverable. Timeline-wise, I think it depends on how quickly the Big 12 actually thinks Texas and OU will stick around, you know if they think they're going to stay until 2025, maybe things don't move very fast. They just try to soak up as much money as they can for the smallest number of pieces of the pie so they all make the money while they can do it and then expand. If they think it's going to happen sooner, they get out of there and they start expanding like ASAP. Um, but who knows, you know. I, mostly I just really hope this I don't know. I just really don't want it to happen. I really love the American just as a league. I love the teams in it. I love watching the games. I love, like, the whole underdog, we're going to prove it to you mentality that the American has always had. Tulsa has to, you know, like an extreme degree since we're so small. Um, And, you know, we'd still have it if we lost those guys, but we'd lose parts of it, and that is sad to me. So (laughs) I really hope that doesn't happen. Maybe there's still hope that the American can be the aggressor here, like I started off with, and, like, take some Big 12 teams, but it really – does not seem like that's likely at this point. I mean, the crux here would be that someone would have had to take a Big 12 team or two because that would have kind of thrown the Big 12 into chaos, and then the, the American is in a, in a really strong uh, p- place to be able to pick some of those teams up. That didn't happen, or it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, so now I'm sad.
0: Um, okay, so next question from Nick Brown at Nick Horse Brown. Predictions for Davis Brin this season. Exclamation right. point.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited about him too, man. Um, so, yes, Davis-Brenn. Predictions for him. Very broad question. Uh, we'll try not to spend too much time on this one. but 46 uh,
0: touchdowns, <laughs> uh, 14 <laughs> interceptions, 3,972 passing yards. That is
1: a – wow. Are we playing no. like 20 games? Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no.
0: It's like we're going to – he's going to put up 1,000 of those everybody. yards on UC Davis.
1: Nice. There you go. Good afternoon. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Davis Brint. All right. So what have we seen from Davis Brint? We've seen the two lane game, and the, <laughs> the two lane game was a quarter plus two overtime. So basically a half of football,
0: plus in, like a minute and a half from the third quarter. So a little bit. Yes.
1: Yeah. A little bit over a quarter plus two overtime. So I'll I'll count. I'll chalk that up to a half. Um, in that time, he went 18 for 28 for 266 yards and two touchdowns. Two passing touchdowns. And a rushing touchdown three total touchdowns right uh that is exceptional that is that that is pretty amazing i mean we all watched the two lane game last year it's not like uh this is out of nowhere we all saw that happen i don't think we're gonna see that level of davis Brinsanity sanity every week um but i will say like you can tell <laughs> yeah you disagree matt we're gonna see we're gonna see it all the time no i think uh i don't know you can tell like you can tell just by watching him. I, I was watching some of the uh, two lane game again today, uh, on YouTube, full like full game. It's just out there free. It's great. So I was watching part of that. Um, you can just tell by he like he just moves well. He can throw the ball. He can, just he looks confident out there. Um, but like the thing that pulls me back a little bit was like even during the two lane game, you've got Bryn himself. You know, post game, post game interviews and stuff, uh, saying things like. Uh, You know, he's like, I was just out there laughing and and like, just thinking, how could this be happening right now? Because everything was working, everything was working. Like, I noticed, you know, when I was watching it on YouTube, there were there were a couple passes in there, like especially early in the, uh, I think it was early in the third quarter, maybe it was early in the fourth quarter. Um, man, he had some that were like, ooh, just like barely didn't get picked off, and that could have changed things. I don't know. so he's not this like magician superhero who's gonna be like the, the best quarterback in the in the conference out of nowhere. Who knows? Maybe it could happen. Like I just, I'm trying to temper myself. I've been extremely optimistic about him for a good reason. I think he does look the part, and he's extremely confident in himself, which I think is a big part of the game. And but like I don't know. I don't expect it to be a two lane style Davis Brand 24 seven. Anyways, um, I do think he's good. I think his footwork looked really good in the two lane game. I think he doesn't play with a lot of fear out there. Uh, he's really got a strong arm. It looks like he's gunning those passes. Um, the rushing touchdown he scored was a designed run. I couldn't remember if this was like a scramble he pulled out of nowhere and just like, you know, made it happen on his own. No, it was like a design. It was an option play. He, uh, he took the option himself, ran it for 20 yards for a touchdown, like a little five yard scramble. Um, so he's got some running skill, he clearly has some passing skill. He's got the confidence. The team is behind him. I'm super optimistic. I don't know if he's going to be like an all conference guy, you know, like first teamer or whatever, uh, or second teamer, or maybe not even a third teamer. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in this conference. Um, but I think where like Zach Smith was like a middle of the conference, American athletic conference quarterback. Um, I think a will like solidly be in the upper tier of conference. I would say if I were to rank the quarterbacks right now without actually seeing much of Davis brand, aside from that one uh, part of the game, it's got like Desmond Ritter, Dylan Gabriel, whoever ends up starting for SMU between Tanner Mordecai and uh, Preston Stone. And then probably – I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable putting Davis Brinett fourth right now, and wow. who knows where I'll go from there. Over Holton. Oh Yeah, dude, I am not a – Holton's fine. Everybody likes him. Everybody's liked him for three years, and he keeps going out there and just being an average, inconsistent quarterback. He's got very high highs. Yeah, but, you know, he like could be really good.
0: He, you know, he just needs to – He definitely a, could. give him a like, chance.
1: He's, What I'm saying, like, I agree. Like, he definitely has the high highs capability. But he's been extremely inconsistent. So, I yeah, I would put him above Holden mailers for sure.
0: Interesting. Okay. Okay, so that list was Ritter. Did you say Gabriel was second?
1: Honestly, in terms of pure skill, I might put Dylan Gabriel above and Ritter. Okay. But, yeah, Gabriel, Ritter, um, whoever SMU guys, uh, guy is, I think is going to be and fine. And then Brent. And then Bryn. Interesting. Okay.
0: Yeah, I guess it's kind of – because if you if you make the claim, like, he's going to be a, an above average, like, you have to put him above, like, kind of in that tier because you're already at almost the 5th and 6th yeah. spot. <laughs> right. So there's not much else to go. Um, which is, like, there are some really good quarterbacks in this conference. Um, and I personally think that Davis Brin is going to join them, uh, as you do. Um, no, and I agree. I mean, that game, something, like... Our team just had a horseshoe somewhere. Something happened, like, ridiculous. Scored a touchdown, almost gave up a touchdown on the, uh, on the uh, kick return on the very next play, <laughs> yeah. eventually give up a touchdown, and then somehow score again. And, I mean, some of that is, like, one of the touchdowns is a Hail Mary. Like, yeah, it was a great throw, but, yeah. I mean, half of that is just yeah. blown coverage by Tulane to 100%. leave uh, Juan Carlos wide open. And then some of the other – I mean, like, our receivers were making – really good plays in some of those fourth downs. So uh, that being said, I mean, all the receivers are still there. The line is even better. Our kicking game is probably as the same. Um, Not that that really should have any relevance to it. But, like, so everything's kind of in line to be similar to that Tulane game. Um, So whether – so, yeah, he will regress uh, to the mean. But I don't think his mean was too far away from – Um, where he was going like yeah some of those balls are going to get picked off but I would imagine like hovering around that 270 yards per game with a couple touchdowns especially like a quarterback that is not only mobile but we can design some running plays around Mm -hmm. it's just going to be phenomenal with Shamari Brooks and Deneric Prince like we're just going to have so many options on different fronts um ball security that's the one thing we need to Uh, really make sure because the last time we had a mobile quarterback you know uh, we had I think he led the league in turnovers uh, constantly like that Temple game I don't know if you remember uh, Luke Skipper's game against Temple was brutal Uh, just the number of fumbles that we had so that's the one thing like I we don't know really much about his how good he is at you know ball security hopefully that's good as long as that's solid um, and then the others, like, so I was watching some of his junior year, uh, tape from 24 seven, mm-hmm. uh, cause like junior season, that was his best season. And like, he was hitting some really good windows on those. Um, like, and I mean, he was, I think division 26 class five, a C, I don't know how many Texas things. Like he was an MVP of that, uh, for that district. Yeah. It's so, like San I mean,
1: Antonio. Player of the Year, or player—I yeah. don't know—best player in San Antonio, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, so
0: I mean, he's got—he's got the chops. Like he comes from a Texas system. Like, I think he is a perfect fit for to thrive in Philip Montgomery's system. Um, and so I think that's kind of what I—what I'm really excited to see is—you know—we always talk about our offense. A lot of times, everybody will look over at the sideline, <laughs> and then look back. And I yeah. just demonstrated that for everybody. If you're uh, curious. <laughs> Um, and so like when we talked to Dane, he said that as he got through it and became familiar, it was, he didn't need to do that. And Montgomery started leaning on like Dane's input on some of these. And so that's kind of what I hope happens. Um, and I kind of, I don't know. I just, I get a good feel from Bryn. Like, I think he's got, he's a, like a very smart, adept quarterback on top of having the athletic talent to back it up
1: yeah agreed and uh just to add on one more thing about that two lane game i forgot when, and i i remembered it when i was watching it uh keelan stokes was out that game the whole game and so we we did all that come back without uh the best receiver on the team and then uh and then also another thing santana got hurt uh and came off the field for like i don't know how much time but he was hurt for a little bit in there came back and then obviously did all the all the miraculous stuff that he did later in the game so pretty wild um so yeah i mean I think between the two of us, extremely optimistic, especially with the the loaded roster we've got coming back on offense. All right. So next question comes from John Lepine Senior at John Lepine. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your last name. Uh, question is best non-conference rival in football.
0: Um, okay. So I was looking at just Winzipedia, um just to see teams, and I'm, there's like two options in my book, um, and So for me, it came down between OSU and Arkansas. Um, The other one you could throw in there is like OU because we play them a lot. But I mean, the the level of the stratosphere, stratosophic, I don't know, giant level of difference, discrepancy between OU and Tulsa. Um, Whereas like there is that difference between us and Arkansas slash OSU just because they are power five teams as well. But I mean, so for me, Oklahoma State is the one that I have to go with. Uh, we've played them. I mean, they're the team we have played the most, Arkansas being number two. We have a losing record against them, but it's like 21 and 47, which has more wins than we have against Arkansas, more losses. But um, those I games – I
1: saw I saw 28 to 42. Is that wrong?
0: Okay. Yeah, that's probably – I was just pulling those numbers out of my memory. So okay. um, I'll let you speak to the, the actual if you want to pull yeah. them up. Um, so it's like it's not bad in the games you know there are instances where those games are close and also having it be an in-state team I have a lot of people that I work with who went to OSU and so I mean OSU might not view it the same way as we would about being a rivalry you know like we are I always view it as like oh Chicago doesn't consider St. Louis like a rival city like Chicago's in a different level It's like, ah, but St. Louis kind of views Chicago as their rival. I view that as, like, Tulsa would view OSU as a rival. OSU would be like, no, OU is our rival. We don't really care that much about Tulsa. Um, And so, I mean, that's a fair point. But if you're looking – like, the only other options, like, if you look back in all the conferences we've been in in the years, we're in – those those teams are in our conference now. Like, Houston, (laughs) SMU, like – Memphis is kind of up there. Wichita state doesn't have football anymore. Like Mm -hmm. your options are kind of limited to where you have to pick one of those
1: yeah agreed um i don't have a ton to add like yeah the obvious choice is oklahoma state here uh and i just looked up the numbers 2843 all the time okay um but yeah i mean it's got to be osu right it has a name right <laughs> how many rivalries does tulsa have where it has a name it's the bank of oklahoma turnpike classic i think that was established you know whatever not not that long ago five we, years we ago came or up something. With, we came up with 12 names i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> good point yeah forgot about all the uh golden hurricast trademarked uh, rivalry names in the conference um Things that you wouldn't want to see on the open ocean. Which one is that? East Carolina, baby. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Things um, you yeah, wouldn't it's it's, wanna... it's got to be It's got to be Oklahoma State. Um, it's a, you know, 28-43 all-time. Like, say what you will about the record. It's not that bad. 28-43 to all-time is not that bad. That is significantly better record. Like, we have a significantly better record against Oklahoma State than Oklahoma State does against Bedlam, against OU, you know? Do you know, off the top of your head, Matt, what the OU record is?
0: Um, so I would say OU has 50, no, 62 wins to 31 losses. Literally not even close. Literally, okay. So far,
1: like OU leads this series 90 to 18. Jeez. 90 to 18, Matt. And that is considered a rivalry game. So if OU and OSU can have Bedlam, And it'd be ninety to eighteen all time in this in this freaking series. Tulsa is allowed to call Oklahoma State a rival. Oklahoma State doesn't want it. Whatever. They're Power Five. Like twenty eight to forty three all time is not bad. Like yeah, it's been like you know since nineteen ninety eight or whatever since we won one. But god damn, like come on, give me that. That is for sure. That's for sure the answer. And you might okay. So I'll move on from Oklahoma State. You mentioned Arkansas, yeah. Whatever, I, yeah, they're fine. We we have a lot of weird history with Arkansas. The series is not close. It's sixteen to fifty four in favor of Arkansas. Uh, every time we go there, something stupid happens. So I'm not a fan of playing Arkansas. I uh, it, they're a fun Power Five team to play. I wouldn't complain if we played them, but I wouldn't put them in the same category as Oklahoma State. Um, yeah, Wichita State doesn't have football anymore. OU, again, you can make the same <laughs> you can make the same case here, like OU as a rivalry game for us. We've won seven times of the twenty eight times total we've played them. That's twenty five percent. OSU has not so we, done that. Yeah,
0: we have more of a rivalry with OU than OSU does. <laughs> That's
1: what I'm saying, man. It's not even close. Like the I can like every time I look back or remember or think of the all time series between OU and OSU, I am like, What is college football? How is this considered a giant rivalry? Like I love the interstate, like the in state rivalry. That makes sense. I, I too uh, when I, when I was working in Oklahoma, I had a bunch of coworkers that were like, OU and OSU fans, you know? And it's when great. You, I love talking you
0: to them. were working in Oklahoma.
1: Well, working for an Oklahoma company that had an office. <laughs> so, uh, yes, but like those guys, you know, it's fun. It's fun talking to them. They're, they're walking around. They know who Tulsa is. They kind of look down on TU football because it's small, whatever. It's fun beating them, which is why, like why I'm so psyched to, to win this year, uh, against like the which I'll get to later. Um, and then the other one I, I'd probably throw out there is, like, theoretically, I like Kansas State as a football rival. We don't really play – we don't play them. We haven't played them in football yeah. since 1988. We play them in basketball all the yeah, time,
0: I would, and that's feel, great. Yeah, basketball, I would throw them in the pool out there yeah. with, like, OSU.
1: And, and that's theater, why I first thought about like them. And, like, the – you know, we do have – we have played them. Uh, we lead the series overall 11 to 6. But – it's just i don't know we we haven't played them since 1988 like that's not a you can't you can't call it a rivalry if you if you haven't played in 40 years or whatever so um yeah i i you yeah. got to go oklahoma state no doubt and it yeah
0: it's just tougher uh, one last point like football obviously you only have 12 games a year whereas basketball you have 20 something odd mm-hmm. and then like yeah, that's true. 15 of those or however many are non-conference 12 um, so there's a lot more opportunities to play more teams so you can have a wider pool football i mean it's only because we now have this deal with OSU where we play each other for the next 10 years. Yeah. Whereas sometimes, you know, you don't see people for 12 plus years kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know the next time, like, I think we play OU next year. Um, But that'll be like four or five years since we played them last. So yeah, yep. which is even. Okay. Next question uh, from Palmer Watkins at the Palmski. Hey Palmer. Where did slash how long slash what's the history behind the starting quarterback directing the band after a win? It's been around since I've been watching TU. So at least the past 20 years, but it's one tradition that TU TU has that has seemed to stick.
1: Yes. So Palmer, I apologize. Basically you asked this yesterday. I was like, that is an awesome question, but you asked it yesterday and we're recording today. Not much time. My fault should have asked for questions earlier. And I had to work today. So basically I have no idea is my answer. I don't and know I how will... it started. I couldn't find it. But I did. So, like, Matt, this is what I thought. I, so, one, I did try to find stuff. Couldn't find anything. Right. Looked on the TU's official, like, traditions page, whatever on there. So yeah, it's not listed it.
0: as one of their officials. But I
1: thought that you, as a former sports editor for the Collegian, might be able to dig something out of the old Collegian archives.
0: Yeah. So, I will say, I just got my access back to the old Collegian archives this morning, right before I got on a plane. So, I have not had a ton of time yet But, I mean, they go back to 1901. And so my initial search was Tulsa quarterback conduct (laughs) came up with nothing. Tulsa quarterback band came up with, like, some band from Las Vegas. So whittling it down. So Palmer, do not have an answer yet. uh, But that is one of my – that's going to be, like, something that I will chase. Uh, Also, just a sidebar – I'm thinking about just kind of pulling some of those fun articles as I come across them and just like screenshotting and sharing some of them on Twitter. Cause I think that's just kind of fun. Uh, so that might just be something I do like once a week or so is just have a throwback to throwback to Tulsa football. Cause some of them are super cool. Like I was reading stuff. I don't know. I have like this, the 1940s uh, Tulsa football team is I consider one of the strongest dynasties in college football um you know i not sure if i've ever mentioned this honestly but i just like always read about it they had this coach like henry Fernka, uh who just was unstoppable and we went to i mean that's where we got most of our bowl wins or in bowl games like a lot of it starts from there like we were one of the original top teams in the country for like bowl games because uh, we went to the first couple i don't know if it was the orange or whatever the precursor to that was it's like finding articles about those Like it's awesome and these papers are not just like copies they are well they're like digital copies but it looks like the actual paper so just a heads up I might be posting some of that stuff for for people but yeah Palmer get
1: back to you yeah great idea love the, love the idea of posting them as long as that is allowed I don't know who wouldn't allow it I
0: am a ex-collegiate person and i we are not
1: making money off of any. I think it's fair use. Cool. Sounds good to me. I'll default to you. Perfect. Okay, uh, so I'm reading the next one, right? Yep. Alright, so we've got not one, not two, but three questions coming in from Tulsa Hop here. So we'll take one at a time. First one, and this is the one I will read to you, Matt. Mm-hmm. Which upset road win would be the sweetest? Ohio State, Oklahoma State, or Cincinnati.
0: Okay. Um, So for me, I viewed this. Well, first, let me say Oklahoma State, not an upset in my book. So I'm (laughs) throwing that one out of the question. So it comes between, you know, one of the Ohio schools, Ohio State or Cincinnati. Personally, Cincinnati is the answer in my book. Ohio State would be awesome. Like, that is a. That would be like a shock across college football, which is awesome to have that. But in my mind, we're beating Cincinnati. That is on our way to the conference championship game. And for me, for the sake of R, I think that is like what I am more excited about than like somehow potentially managing to knock off Ohio State, which would be awesome. But then, you know, it's kind of downhill from there. I would rather be playing like in the conference championship game with a chance for a new Year's six game, like whether or not we beat Ohio state doesn't really have an impact on that. Like we lose to Ohio state. Nobody cares like that much. That's not going to impact like, Oh, you went to Ohio state and lost on the road. That's not going to have too much of deal. Uh, cause you know, everybody does that <laughs> in a sense, but if we knock off Cincinnati on the road, play in the conference title game, that would be sweet justice to me.
1: I like it. I like it. So I did not think about this in terms of what could the schedule be like and the current status of like our conference championship implications. that's a good. That's a good thought. I was thinking about these very much in a vacuum. So I like. I'm like. I like that you said that. Um, yeah. This was a good one. Uh, they would. I man. They would all be sweet for different reasons. Uh, I'll take. I'll start at Ohio State here. Ohio State. I don't know. So it'd be redemption for the 48 to three just beat down that <laughs> that we got in the rain back in 2016 or whatever with uh with dane evans and like prime tulsa football team you know that was the 10-3 and 3 year uh so it'd be redemption for that game they're also like you said matt just like nationally they're the best team in this group they compete for a national title they'll do it again this year um it would make serious headlines if we won that game which gives to you a bunch of national recognition so that's huge. Like there's there's nothing you know that that's a big time win. Oklahoma State, um, as we talked about, you know, in John's question before, uh, that is the that's the best non-commits rival. Um, and what's better than beating your rival, right? Especially when you haven't beaten them since 1998. Uh, Oklahoma State really gets me going for a lot of reasons. I will say they're an upset win for us uh, if Matt won't. So I will count that one. And then Cincinnati. Another rainy redemption game, right? The Conference Championship last year was in the rain. It sucked. Uh, Lost on a last-second field goal in the Conference Championship. Um, Dealt with all the crap that they pulled, uh, you know, with trying to get out of playing us at home or whatever all that drama was. So there's some good – there's some juice to all three of these, which is why I'm sure he picked them. Um, Of the three, I think even with Ohio State's, like, you know, big national brand and all the publicity that would come with beating them – I still I think even over Cincinnati and I think the Cincinnati argument gains weight when you think about conference implications like you said but I think I'd still enjoy Oklahoma State the most of the three especially now with all the with all this talk I have been seeing on Twitter and hearing from whoever lately about OSU fans who just cannot stand the thought of potentially being in the same conference as little Tulsa, right? I, Oh my God, it's everywhere. It is really killing me. So this year, more than anything, I, I would love to beat Oklahoma state and put them in their place, you know, this season, like with everything going down so much talk about big 12, does the Big 12 would they pull in Tulsa no they would never take Tulsa Tulsa's tiny little school like what what are they thinking even thinking about being in the same conference as Oklahoma state meanwhile you go get your ass kicked by OU like for the 80th game in a row like what the hell is this so i don't know of all the years i'm definitely feeling Oklahoma state and i think it can you know like we talked about in last season or last week's episode this is the year that i think it, it can really get done so i'm i'm really feeling the OSU game and so just to give devil's advocate for ohio state now even though i
0: we both you know didn't choose that like we still and tulsa as a I don't know, community as a fan base like still hypes up the notre dame win you know however 20 years it's been 20 years yeah, last true. year or this year yep um and so it's like that it would have that kind of thing like we would never see ohio state again uh yeah. they, they would not schedule us kind of thing so mm-hmm. and that is cool and you know like maybe years down the road that is that i mean that would be the most like future proof of the upsets but i don't know i still got to go cincinnati just because yeah i really want to win a conference title uh, (laughs) before before slash afdac uh goes poof or something
1: truly good point
0: okay next question from tulsa hop do you believe in the ewing theory can this defense improve even after losing a gener- generational player like Zayvon Collins?
1: Yeah, so, Hop. Not going to lie. Had to look this one up. Didn't know what the Ewing theory was. Wow. Basically, Clearly did you not notice? a Bill Simmons listener, uh, only because of Pat. Okay, not, yeah, I'm not surprised Pat knew. That seems like a very bad thing to know. Anyways, um, yes, let me break down the Ewing theory here if anybody else is not familiar. Basically, it comes from the idea uh, that someone was positing that Patrick Ewing's teams are Bill better. Simmons. What? It was Bill well, Simmons. I thought thinking. it was his friend, right? Oh, my, it might Simmons wrote the article. It was, it,
0: yeah, okay. I don't know. That's why I it, it gets, yeah. It's from his name is the one attached to it at least. Okay. Even if yeah. he, like if he wrote the article.
1: Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's assume it was Bill Simmons. So, he's saying that. He's saying that basically Patrick Ewing's teams in college and in the NBA played better when Ewing was off the court, right? So, why would that be? Uh, And there were two crucial elements here that need to be in place for any situation to qualify as the Ewing, you know, as Ewing status. One is a star athlete receives an inordinate amount of media attention and fan interest. And yet his teams never win anything substantial with him other than some early round playoff series. Pretty harsh, pretty harsh. Number two, the same athlete leaves his team either by injury, trade, graduation, free agency, or retirement. And both the media and fans immediately write off the team for the following season. Right. So those are the two criteria. I think it's pretty fair to say that both those are met. Uh, Number one, Collins got a ton of attention, obviously, deservingly, all year. Uh, But we didn't win the conference championship game and we didn't win our bowl game, both of which were very winnable games. We lost them both. So that meets criteria number one. And only had one season with a winning record. Yeah. There you go. Very true. Um, Yeah. And it yeah. Yeah. Good point. And then number two, the written off thing, are we being written off immediately since he's gone? Depends what your definition of written off is. I don't think we're necessarily being written off, but no one is really picking us to make a second consecutive appearance in the conference championship game this year. Uh, so I'd say, yeah, that probably counts too. And the same people that are blaming uh, – yeah, yeah, the same people who are saying that are are, are saying it's because Collins is leaving and whatever, um, and Allie Green and Caleb Evans or whatever. So the question here, can the defense improve – after losing Collins, uh, I think yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's ridiculous to say. I think yes. Um, there are eleven people that play when you're on when you're when you're on defense. Um, we could get significantly worse at linebacker while simultaneously getting better at every other position, and you could say that the defense in total is better. Uh, I think right. So I think I think the answer could be a tentative yes. Uh, not going to be easy to do. Collins, big-time talent, uh, obviously. A uh, huge guy made a ton of ridiculous plays for us all season that saved us games multiple times. Um, so, hard to replace that. But I think the answer, can you? Can the defense improve after losing Zayvon Collins? Yeah, I think so. Unfortunately, we also lost Allie Green into Caleb Evans, right? Uh, so, can the defense improve after losing all three of those guys? All of those guys will probably be N- NFL picks. Uh, I would say almost definitely not. It's not impossible. I think the likelihood is very small. Um, so, in summary, do I believe in the Ewing theory? Sure. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know enough about it. I think it's. I'm sure it's a thing that can happen. Um, but do I think that this defense will improve? No. My my guess is like I think the defense will take a small step back. I think the offense will take a small to medium step forward, and overall will be a better team than we were last year.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of what you said, um, if it was just Collins and we still had, you know, everybody else or a majority of people returning, I wouldn't be – I would say, yeah, I think we can improve because I think our line is better now just from pure experience and, like, Jackson players, I believe he's just going to go wild. Uh, Sorry, I had to – I was going to swear, and then I was like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't. Nice. Um, And then I think our linebackers, like – There is no one anymore, but the whole is very strong. And, I mean, not to give – not to discredit Zavin at all. I mean, a lot. Like, he was phenomenal. But, I mean, there's still so much that goes into, like, our team last year. Not everything was Zavin Collins. I mean, he was a huge part of it, but the other linebackers were doing their jobs. And so, like, that's still going to happen, and it's like whether or not somebody – uh, rises to the level that he had last year. I don't know if that's necessarily gonna be the case. And so like this is kind of going into the next question too. like our defense was 23rd in the country on SP. That's hard to improve on. yeah. So like from my book, I don't know that we're necessarily gonna improve on that. I think our defense is gonna not have nearly as much of a drop off as people think because uh, I don't think it is a one like one man show. Uh, but I don't believe that the team's going to get better. Like, our defense would be better if Collins was still on the team. So I yeah. think that would say, no, it, you know, the Ewing theory doesn't hold for this. But I don't think that it's fair to say that our defense is going to drop and we should be written off.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, cool. All right, so final hop question. Uh, Last year's team finished 68th in SB plus 23rd on defense and 106th on special teams. Where does this year's team end up?
0: That's a hard question to answer. Um, Okay. I'll start with defense. Roughly. I'm going to give ranges. I cannot pinpoint. Um, So I don't think our defense is going to have as much of a drop off um, as people are expecting, but I think it will have a drop off. I would say, I think our defense is a top 50 defense in the country at this point um so i'll say that as our ceiling and i'll say like our our roof is maybe in the low 30s uh that's just kind of where i see us our offense i think is going to be better than Did you
1: just say ceiling and roof
0: yeah wow floor (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, thank you for catching that (laughs) um so our floor is 50 and our roof slash ceiling is lower 30s Uh, It's hard when the lower numbers are the better ones Yes, uh, kind of messes with it. And when you forget that your ceilings and roof aren't the same thing are the same thing Um, offense, I think we're going to be better than 68th. I think we'll be honestly, I mean, 50 is, that sounds cheap to say, but that's kind of where I see it. I mean, that feels like a natural progression. So I'll say 50 is probably our ceiling, um, and I think our floor is around 70, kind of where we were last year. Cause I think, um, you know, at worst Davis brand is going to be similar to Zach Smith, but I think he'll be better. Uh, plus we bring back Shamari Brooks, special teams, no clue. Lachlan cut his hair. I mean, that I could put us at one thirty for that. <laughs> Not really sure what our kicking game is going to be. Uh, and the really thing is like our kick defense, as much as that's a thing is was atrocious last year. So will it be better? No clue. So I'm going to say our ceiling is a hundred right now until proven otherwise. And our floor is 130.
1: Yeah. You're pretty much on the same page as me. Um, like who knows? Right. But I don't know. I don't like, I kind of, we kind of talked about this a little bit in the last question, but yeah, I think, I think we regress a bit on defense. I think we improve on offense and we didn't really lose anybody in the special teams. Right. So I don't know. My guess would be top 50 in offense, uh, in SP plus, my guess would be probably close to that number on defense. Um, I think we'll be a much more consistent team in terms of offense and defense, instead of very good at defense, very eh, average to below average on on offense, and then um, probably about the same on special teams. Right? Not not fifty, but like same as last year. Uh, I you know even with Zach Long and Tyler Tipton back at kicker for another year, where you'd expect they'd improve from last season just based on experience. I just don't feel very confident in that in that group. I mean, Lachlan is great. Don't get me wrong; Uh, all good on him. But I think place kicker is going to be could could potentially be a weakness. Yep.
0: All right. Last question from Daniel Rader. Rader at Daniel Rader. AD in his new contract in his new contract press conference said he wanted to add more sports. Longtime fans, I'm sure, all immediately assume he means baseball. What do we, but what do we think about men's lacrosse?
1: Yeah, men's lacrosse, it's a good one. Um, so I was looking into this a little bit uh, beforehand just to try to get some bearing on, on what that might mean if we did add, add lacrosse. Uh, quick little side slash footnote here. Tulsa actually had a club lacrosse team uh, while being were in school, Matt. You saw him out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got in touch with the guy who started the club team right before this episode uh, to see if it was still active because I hadn't heard anything about that club team. Uh, since basically we graduated in 2017 was that Teddy? and yeah, it was Teddy Martin. And, uh, Hey Teddy, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, basically he said, uh, no, pretty much, <laughs> it's pretty much no longer a thing. Um, thoughts about bringing it back maybe as a club team, maybe not, not really sure what the future is for club cross. Uh, but as a actually like, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, one sport
0: sponsored like, NCAA sponsored. Sport.
1: Yes. Uh, like university sponsored sports, that could be a real potential thing. So, I think the biggest thing to think about when we're thinking about sports that people are gonna that that TU might add, you got like Rick Dixon said, along with we want to add sports, we want to do that because why? Because we want to grow enrollment, is what he said. How do you do that? Well, you get a sport that has a freaking giant roster, right? Like football, <laughs> like has a hundred something people on the roster. Um, so how many people does, is on the lacrosse team? On the club lacrosse team, we had about twenty people playing on that team when it was around. Uh the average men's lacrosse roster is apparently about 48 people. Um, on the flip side, there's also women's lacrosse. We have neither of those things sponsored at TU. So you could do men's and women's lacrosse. Women's lacrosse on the D1 level averages about 30 people uh, for a roster. So that's 78 people right there if you do the average for both. Uh, Boost in, in enrollment, you know, just by adding a sports team and people who want to come play to you, So that's pretty good. Um, men's lacrosse basically was the the had the largest roster availability uh pretty much of any sport besides football like men's baseball has 35 uh, and we already have softball um men's and women's wrestling is another really popular one that we got some you know people people replied saying some stuff about that yeah especially in oklahoma right it's huge men's wrestling has an average of 33 people on the roster women's wrestling has an average of 14 but that's nationally like in oklahoma i saw osu that OSU's men's wrestling has forty people on that roster, right? So that's that's up there with lacrosse in terms of number of people on the roster. So wrestling could be a really good one too. Uh, but let's take you know the questions about lacrosse, so we'll bounce back to that. Um, I like the idea a lot. Like I don't know when I was watching the club I wasn't on the club lacrosse team or anything in college, but I watched them play pretty often, and they're just fun games to watch. You <laughs> know, it's a physical game, it's fun. People are out there having a good time. Uh, the teams we played were, were cool. Uh, I assume we would play in the American. I don't even know if they have a bunch of lacrosse. Probably not. Do they now? No. No. Yeah. That,
0: and that was what I was going to say. We'd, the one issue is we'd have to find a,
1: either
0: be independent or join another conference, which, I mean, isn't the end of the world. I mean, people do that all the time. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, there's So the American has baseball, football, men and women's basketball, men and women's soccer, men and women's tennis, softball. Women's lacrosse and then rowing. Women's lacrosse. Okay, but no yeah. men's lacrosse. Yep.
1: Interesting. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe we could figure something else to do with men's lacrosse, but it feels weird to have them in different conferences, so I, I doubt we would do that, but I don't know. Um, but all in all, like it's a, good, it's a good call. I hadn't even thought about uh, having lacrosse as the team being added, so – Thanks for bringing it up. It was uh, it was good to learn about a little bit.
0: Yeah, it would be fun. Uh, I honestly, I feel like the only time I ever watch lacrosse is when it's on ESPN. I just don't have a lot of yeah. exposure. But it was big in St. Like St. Louis high schools. I mean, oh for sure. Like SLU was pretty big. I know Chaminade. Sorry, these. I'm just listing St. Louis high schools that nobody knows about. SLU <laughs> is where I went to school. My high school uh, had a big lacrosse team too. Yeah, so it was like it was a big sport. Um, and it was fun to watch. My just kind of like, as a tangent to this question, I my prediction on sports so like baseball people talk about that because we've had baseball which i think gives that a little is why people mention it uh whereas we haven't had a university-sponsored men's lacrosse before and the american has a very strong baseball like standing right now like tulane is huge uconn was huge before they left ecu is really big houston's pretty big yeah so there's that uh but i feel like golf is another bit like that one was cut in the last five years Mm -hmm. um and so i could like the issue is like you talk about roster size that is a small roster size like there's maybe 10 people on a golf team yeah that's what it Um, is the average is 10 yeah so you have that issue but i don't know that's kind of like i feel like lacrosse is below golf men's golf and baseball um but i would definitely be like if that's what they bring back all about that that would be pretty cool in my book
1: yeah saying yeah i agree yeah you're right it does seem like men's golf and baseball would be like the easy wins um at least in terms of appeasing the fans golf doesn't get you the enrollment so i don't know what the uh i don't know i don't know why they would gun for that i guess just because it's so you know in the near it's been it's been around so recently yeah and i I feel
0: like the endowment for golf isn't you don't need as much as you would for some of those other sports yeah good Um, point And it's just like that's how rough of a situation Tulsa was in before is like couldn't even swing men's golf.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) Good point. Yeah, not good. Oh, nice pun there. I didn't even catch it. Swing men's golf. Wow, wow. Totally would have gone right by it had you not made that little hand motion. Um, Cool. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Okay, cool. So, yeah, that was eight questions. Got through them. Hour 15. Pretty good. And a UC Davis preview in there, of course. Oh, yeah. UC Davis Brin. (laughs) UC Davis Brin. All right, you ready to wrap this? Yes, sir. All right, cool. Well, hey, thank you. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you listened all the way through, hour 15, you're awesome, especially if you listened to our hour and 40 minute one last week or whatever, how long that was. Um, and thanks, especially uh, this week, to everybody who sent in questions. Really enjoyed talking through all of those. That was super cool. Uh, I'll have to do that more often in some future episodes, too. Uh, if you'd like to support us financially, you can do that. We have uh, a few ways to do that on our website. So you can go to thegoldenhurricast.com support. And then finally, if you want to follow us online, um, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at goldenhurricast at both of those places. Or you can send us an email. And that email address is thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Um, and make sure you're subscribed to the show where we listen to the show. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you next week. Stay golden. Yeah. <laughs>